Hello everyone and welcome to Hype A with me, Kristalina, as your host. I started Hype A last May as a platform to share stories for inspirational guests in the arts so that you can take that act of bravery to fulfill your creative dreams and pursuits. The reception has been unbelievable. Thank you Hype A listeners. Without you and your wonderful feedback, we've been scaling up the podcast charts. Hype was in the top 5% of most shared globally and was in the top 10 podcasts for 162 fans. That's mad. We are now across all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, just to name a few. Hype has been heard in 18 countries since its launch in May 2022. The top five countries are the United Kingdom, the United States, Canada, the Netherlands and Spain. Let's not forget we reached number 18 in Lebanon. From me and the mini yet expanding Hype team, thank you. This wouldn't have been worth anything if it wasn't for you Hype listeners and our beautiful Hype guests. Thank you for your devotion, for sharing and re-listening. Without further ado, let's kick off season three. Welcome back to Hype A. Today we have Ekaterina Popova. She is a Russian artist based in Philadelphia, USA. She paints dream oil paintings of interiors. Her work has been exhibited internationally, including Cole Gallery in Paris and Menorca, the Painting Center in New York, James Oliver Gallery, Decoración Gallery, Affordable Art Fair, Art Miami Fairs, the Trenton City Museum, Paradigm Gallery, Delaware Contemporary, the Boxheart Gallery, AIR Gallery, and many, many more. Ekaterina was introduced to me via Gita Joshi, who we all know from season one. So let's welcome Ekaterina. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. And thank you for that warm introduction. I also love Gita. <laughs> she is a friend of mine. So thank you so much. Oh, I, again, it's, I'm so honored to have you here. So thank you so much. And you're the first guest on Hype and let's get into it. So Katerina, your, your name is Russian, right? So you're born and raised in Russia. Which part of Russia were you born in? Yeah, so I have, I lived in Russia till I was about 12 and a half, 13. And I grew up in a city called Vladimir and it's about three hours uh, close to Moscow. So it's beautiful part. It's part of the golden ring. And it's sort of like the old, it used to be, um, I think in the 11th century, it was the capital of Russia for a moment in time. So it's just a very beautiful historic place. And yeah. And then I moved to the U.S. with my mom when I was about 13 years old. So you were quite young when you moved to the US and it's quite a culture shift as well like to the west right totally the one thing that kind of helped ease the move was when I was growing up one of my dear friends Kristen was actually American her parents were there working in my city as missionaries they helped build orphanages so I was kind of exposed to the western culture but it's still of course you know it's different when you have a friend who's like you know lives in your culture versus moving yourself and being surrounded completely by it yeah 
I mean, you know, on high pay, we go really deep on our episodes. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, like, how did it affect you as a child? Do you remember your psyche at that time? Because it's quite sort of like an uprooting, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I'm all about going deep. It is an uprooting. And I always loved like, of course, we all have fantasies about the American dream. And we had these, you know, Hollywood notions of what it would be like to live in America, because all you see is like, you know, the best you see the glamour and the nice houses and the good jobs. And the reality, of course, was very different. And I'll get into that in the moment. But I think I also really loved where I grew up, even though it had its challenges. And of course, I'm sure it was really hard for my single mom. I loved my country so much. So it was one of those things where I was hopeful and I was excited as a kid, you know, going into my preteen years and then coming to the U.S. and having a completely unexpected experience where we didn't have any money. We were not living in, in a city. We didn't know anyone. We really it was just completely brand new and super super weird because mm-hmm. it seems like it's kind of like a precursor to the work that you create isn't it because you mainly paint interiors definitely yeah and it I had no idea until later until you know I feel like sometimes when we start on something we don't really know why we're doing it and, and then when we reflect and we see the dots come together and connect I can totally see how not having my own place and just finding my way through art definitely played a role in my love of interiors these days. Mm -hmm. And um, so Philadelphia, I've actually not been to Philadelphia, but I know people from there and I've lived in the States myself about four years. Um, What's it like? (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, I really love this area. I don't live in the city. My studio is in the city, but it's a really like, you know, historical, very blue collar People are kind of gritty here and I love it. But when we actually first moved to America, we moved to a very small area where it was a a lot of cornfields and (laughs) it was really not a lot of culture. So I'm living here. I come to really appreciate it. Um, But Philadelphia itself is wonderful. I feel like it's a big, small town in a way of the art community. Like everyone pretty much knows everyone and Overall, in general, people are super supportive of each other. So I'm so, so grateful for that. And it's, yeah, it's small enough. It's not like New York, you know, or LA, but it's big enough that there are beautiful museums and things to do. And the people, of course, is what really makes me stay here. Yeah, it seems to have quite a sort of cemented art scene there, doesn't it? For quite, for many, many years, it's sort of quite recognized. But it doesn't, it still hasn't, it's like internationally, it still doesn't seem like it's properly left off the ground just yet. I just know it on a sort of reputational basis, really. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I think we have a lot of amazing things like the Philadelphia Art Museum and the Barnes Foundation, um, among other institutions. But in terms of the gallery scene, um, some of my dear friends, you know, like Paradigm Gallery and James Oliver, they've been around for a while but they are not international names, you know, like some places you might hear about, but yet they are growing and expanding. So it's amazing to, to watch, you know, a gallery grow over the years, because when I first moved here, one of my first connections to the art scene was, for example, Paradigm Gallery. And now, you know, 10 years later, they bought their own building. They're showing artists from all over the world. So it's getting there. But I think it's going to take a while for the world to catch up and like see Philly as that destination for art, but it's definitely here <laughs> for those who know. 
yeah when you're when you know you know isn't it um yeah <laughs> but I, I'd love to I'd love to explore it at some point soon um so let's just go back again back to your childhood um art so obviously art is what you do now and I will get into coaching as well later on but how did you get into it do you have an artistic family do you sort of like have this creative DNA in your stream there I mean I know Russia is big on culture with ballet and music and arts and science definitely I was very exposed to art I can't say that someone was ever like a professional artist in my family but my grandfather did a lot of like caricatures of people. And he, I think he was a very creative person. My aunt used to sew a lot. So I was very exposed to the act of creating, uh, even though professionally, I didn't really know anyone who actually did that. But mm -hmm. as a child, I think what really kind of got embedded in my brain were like going to museums every weekend, going to, like you said, ballet and operas and concerts and just having that really rich cultural upbringing which looking back I'm like wow I I'm so lucky as a kid that I got to see that because kids in America don't necessarily have the same experience as you know people in Europe might or in Russia and yeah so I think just being surrounded by the act of creation like even sewing I think is so creative and cooking and just translating whatever I would see I, I would come home from a museum and like make a sketch or a drawing of it so that's kind of how I got into it and then later on I just always I think it was a trauma handling response like I would handle my trauma through art so mm -hmm. I cried a lot as a kid I mean we had some you know some little t trauma growing up and I I remember just always having like uh either a coloring book or a sheet of paper like I anyone's house I would go to, I would ask for paper. Like I just was really shy. And the only way I could like handle and process things was through doing something with my hands and drawing. So it just kind of seeped into adulthood over time. But I think if you ask anyone who knew me as a child, they would just say like, we couldn't get her to separate from the paper. There's, um, it's funny because there's, there's just this thing, isn't it? With, with the arts in general, creativity is just such a channel for healing and a channel for for and from inspiration and to inspire as well you know the word inspire comes from the latin i believe i'm italian i should know this um inspirare <laughs> inspirare which is like to breathe in um so but yeah it seems like you just just needed to sort of like take a moment of breath and just kind of release whatever you needed to release like 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 we are, you know, in a way, animals, you know, animals need to shake it off sometimes. And uh, we as humans also need to shake it off and, and release. Um, totally. so, so what's the jump then from being so expressive and healing through your, through art to the profession as an artist? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I never really knew, <laughs> I always joke about this, but when I was a teen, I, I wanted to be Britney Spears. <laughs> That's like what I wanted to be. Like, I really just wanted to be Britney. And obviously that did not, you know, <laughs> looking back, I'm very grateful that did not happen, but um, it just, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I liked, I think all of us have that part of us that wants to be seen that likes the attention. And even though I was like so deeply introverted, there was a part of me that like, liked <laughs> you know we would pretend to have concerts with my friends and things like that and sing and dance to the Backstreet Boys or whatever it was um <laughs> Spice Girls of course and yeah I, and I think like when I got into high school and people were like 
noticing me when I was doodling or drawing or making art in the art room, like it kind of made me feel good, honestly. Yeah. So it kind of encouraged and reinforced that behavior. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm not an outspoken person where now I am, but back in the day, I was very afraid, very shy. And the mm -hmm. one way for me to like connect with people was through making something and showing it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that's, I think what kept me coming back to the art room. And eventually I had a wonderful high school art teacher who just like pushed me in a good way. Like she would mm -hmm. always submit my work to competition. She would like give me free art supplies. Shout out to Wendy Hall, who I still stay in touch with. And she just, you know, she's like, you have to go for it. You have to go to a school for art. And my guidance counselor said, no, you need to go to school for business. What are you doing? You're going to never have a job. And <laughs> I didn't listen. And I just, I, it was very hard, but I did it. And I'm so happy. I'm so glad I listened. <laughs> I'm so glad you listened too, because there are so many people that can for a moment be dissuaded not to go ahead and do it because it's, it's like, I don't know about you. I don't know whether you feel this too, Katerina and maybe you teach this in your coaching or you mentor this, but it's just feels like in the West, at least they're sort of pushing, the governments are sort of pushing it, pushing an agenda to just focus on logical skills. And they're taking away a lot of the creative curriculum, particularly in the UK, I can talk about that, where they're taking away music, um, even athletics, um, musical instruments, you know, they're, and they're, you know, they're, I won't say his name, but the current prime minister is sort of really pushing kids to study maths, mathematics until the age of 18, which personally, me and all of my crew, <laughs> creative crew, <laughs> would not be doing. No, so. I, I nearly failed math. So that would be very challenging. <laughs> and it is so sad. It, it is the same thing here too in the US. And I think like it's up to us to preserve it and be those examples of of saying yes to the creativity because it's funny. I was just talking with my boyfriend about this. He works a corporate job and at his company, I'm not gonna name the company, but you know, they are now are labeling communication um a saw like it's it's a hard skill or, or you know it's it's a skill yeah. that like people actually want to write on their resume and it, we were like what like that's a basic human you know yeah. we interact like animals interact with each other and because we are so isolated and so focused on productivity people are losing touch with creative thinking with emotional intelligence and i think mm. having the arts music athletics those things teach us to interact communicate and think differently and that's yeah. really what creates like ingenuity and new inventions like how can you mm -hmm. have that if everyone's learning the same exact thing right yeah totally i just i don't know i you know i'm I'm a mystic and I, I I always think about these out outsider thoughts, you know, like why are they doing it? You know, why are they pushing this agenda? And it worries me, to be honest. It worries me because it makes me think, well, are they trying to eliminate free thinkers? You know, are they trying to sort of suppress the creative mind? Because the creative mind is the person that thinks out of the box, you know? <laughs> so definitely and it's um, scary for people because they can't yeah. you can't control someone who can think differently about what you're sharing. They're not just going to listen yeah. and obey, but they're going to question it. And that's de definitely terrifying for governments trying to control people. <laughs> exactly. But, but nonetheless, um, you are clearly a leader in your own right. And you seem to be very autonomous uh, with what you do. So tell us about your, your coaching, um, if you don't mind. I'd yeah, love to definitely. hear about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So after I started to figure out how the heck 
years of figuring out how I'm going to support myself, how to put myself, how to talk about my work, how to create income streams. I just started sharing, you know, what I, what was working basically. And it started really simply. It wasn't anything official in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was like showing up in my Instagram stories and sharing a tip or writing a blog post at the time, um, on my platform, you know, which was growing slowly. And eventually like that content just resonated with people to the point where my friend Alicia and I wrote our first book, which was like super tiny, 80 pages, just like basic mm-hmm. tips. And I realized how much I love when people wrote to me and said, like, this really helped me. And I started wow. to like get into coaching. And long story short, that's how I met Gita actually through our mutual coach who coached me to start actually officially coaching. And from there, mm-hmm. I got my um, I'm in the process of finishing my master certification as a master mindset and life coach. Um, but because I think to long story short is because I know how much it helped me. I mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out on my own. I leaned in on online courses or mentors yeah. and people who even were a few steps ahead. Just it's not even about the information, but it's just the trust and like having someone who's figured it out, be there with you as mm-hmm. you're figuring your own way out. So I'm so passionate about empowering people mm-hmm. and, you know, exactly what we're talking about and empowering people to continue their creative journey, to take risks, to be in a, in a career where it's not predictable. And it's, it's, you know, it might be scary for some people, but knowing how important it is that we do. Absolutely. And I mean, I've got chills. Um, I, I feel, I feel the same too, you know, like I've, also had coaching as well I uh was coached with you probably know Brainerd Carey you know back in the day he's lovely um and then I was part of a leadership program called Mastery in Transformational Teaching and Coaching but anyway MITT um they have various uh sort of like affiliates around the U.S. Um, and, uh, you know, without that, like it's, it's, I wouldn't have been held accountable, you know, and I think that people that are starting out in the creative field, it's like, they kind of, kind of need to get that nudge <laughs> and like, okay, so you, 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 what, I can hear the passion in you. I see the talent, but what have you done this week? What are those three things that you've done this week? And it's so nice to hear, um, not nice to hear cause it's kind of military, but, um, it's, it's actually it's actually, it's just really great that you're continuing to sort of, to do that for other people and you're sort of giving back what you learnt and transmuting and transforming that to to the greater, you know, the field out there. Yeah, thank you so much. And I appreciate you saying that. And it's awesome that you're into it as well. And I think for me too, I didn't see a lot of it. Like Brain Art is one of the first ones that I knew in the art community, but there are a lot of like artist coaches who um, not to, not to, there's a place for everyone, but it was oh. like people telling you what to do who never did it. And it was just really confusing to me. I'm like, I want to walk the walk and I want to share, I want to be the guinea pig for you, <laughs> but yeah. I also want to like have wins to share. So for me, it was really important to like be a living example. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I kind of found my place because I didn't want to just tell people what to do. You know, I don't don't believe in that. Yeah. Of course there's powerful coaching through questioning and holding space. And I do, I do stand by that. I have coaches Mm. that don't have anything to do with my career, you know, for a different purpose. But I think for me as an artist, because of what we're just talking about, because there's not a lot of resources or encouragement from schools, um, I wanted to be that, that person for others. Well, you know, it's also a business as well. Let's just, let's be real about that. You know, it's a business and every business needs a, needs a structure. Um, 
and it's funny because um last year I you know I do my own research for many things and uh, I came across this this geezer on YouTube <laughs> my won't name his name but he seems really cool he's very Swiss like very like black suit white shirt open no tie <laughs> you know like, like but like cool edgy but still <laughs> sort of like sharp looking and he's got this he's got this youtube channel and he's got his dog this labrador on the sofa and he he has this platform where he sort of uh freely coaches artists that are starting out you know what to do and what not to do so, you know, obviously now at this point in my career, sort of mid-career, I'm sort of seeing, well, those there are that certain things that wouldn't work for me and I know that wouldn't work for many people. Um, one of one of the things that he said, and I won't mention his name again, I won't mention his name at all even, um, but one of the things that he said was to not approach galleries for representation, right? Um, and many other things. What What would your take be on that? So say, for example, there's an artist who's listing on high pay right now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pressure, <laughs> um, but, it, but it's like, you know, how do I, okay, but how do I sell my work? You know, uh, because there's this also this other thing of like being desperate online, isn't it, as well? So how do we, when we're starting out, balance balance that, you know, it's a tricky Yeah, I know, that's a, I love this question. I, I get this question. I think about this a lot because, my job as a coach, I never want to tell someone what not to do or what to do, right? I want to, like we were just talking about enabling that free thinking, help, helping people make their own decisions and know the truth. And I can see why someone would say, don't approach galleries for a presentation. That's like a very traditional, you know, they come to you and they, you know, yeah. someone's going to come knocking on your door, but that's not really how the world works. Um, I will have, I feel like I could have a whole lecture, <laughs> but no, I will also summarize it. <laughs> I'll try to summarize my approach to this personally. Okay. So when I first started, I thought the only way was to have a gallery. This was back in 2011, 2010. And that's what, that was my goal, but I never wanted to have the life, no offense to some of my professors, but I never felt inclined to have a tenure at a university and then find a gallery and have that traditional path, like getting my MFA because it just didn't fit me. And I was already in tons of debt for my first years in school. So I was like, I cannot do this to myself. You know, I don't want to teach. So I don't want to just do it because it's going to make me money. I just, I didn't feel that was ethical, but at the Mm -hmm. same time I had this big art career dreams. So that's when the creative thinking comes in. You're like, what can I do? And so I wanted the galleries. And so I hired a mentor to help me attract them. So you could still reach out to people, but you know, I'm sure you're into manifesting yeah. and, and attracting and law <laughs> magnetism and everything like that. But so our job isn't necessarily to have that desperate energy because that doesn't do us any good. But if we really want a gallery and we know it's our destiny to eventually work with a gallery, what can we do to attract them? Well, we can start showing up as if we already have one by treating ourselves with respect and professionalism, showcasing mm-hmm. our work in the best way, you know, maybe putting on our own Gita and I have a course for putting on your own show because yeah, what better way to show a gallery why they should work with you than by showing them how amazing your work looks on a wall. Like even if it's in a coffee shop, taking great pictures, mm-hmm. um, having your own shop for a while, not waiting until the gallery comes, but just living your life as if you're already happy and everything is working for you and you know, you can start putting your stuff out there 
And some people say, I think this is like the old school traditional way. Please tell me to be quiet. <laughs> and no, I love point, it. Because this is a topic that I'm like, okay. I've literally done everything you said. I've done everything <laughs> yeah. you said over the years, like murals, street, you know, selling my artwork on the streets, uh, doing live painting and like coffee shops and everything. Just yeah. be active. Yeah. Don't shut up. Please keep going. I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it's true. And like people, some people might say the traditional way it's like, oh, well, you know, gallery's not going to want to work with you if you have your own shop or if you, if you sell your work on a street or whatever. But I argue that because as someone who, you know, with our magazine, Create Magazine, for example, yes. as someone who looks for artists, I never see an artist having a shop and being like, oh, you're not legit. Like, I'm like, oh, they have amazing work. Of course, it's selling. And what better way to show someone why they would work with you than by showing them that your work is already selling? Like, that's yeah. to me, the, the new modern way of looking. Mm -hmm. And I attracted my galleries like that. Like, I have my own shop. And then I was just showing up. Of course, I was applying places. I don't think it's bad to approach people. I approach people. Yeah. And given I didn't necessarily end up working with the people that I always pitched to. But because I was putting out that energy of like, you know, I'm leaning into my own self-worth. I know I'm worthy of these opportunities. I think right. that's how you attract people because you're like, I'm ready. I'm excited. Yeah. I feel good. I'm, I can stand behind what I'm doing. So that's the short answer. To summarize, I think becoming your own best advocate is so important because then even if you get a gallery and they're amazing, you never feel like a slave to them. You never feel like they have control over your whole career. You know what to do, even if they disappear tomorrow. And that also makes a healthy relationship with the gallery because they know you're okay. You don't depend on them. No desperate energy. You're partners and you each do your part. They give you the wall or the marketing or whatever you're, you're looking for. You give them the work and your own share of marketing. So I think that just creates a healthier dynamic and you never, at, you know, in, you're not giving away your power to someone just because right. they might give you something. So anyway, that's that's a big one. That's a big one, by yeah. the way. Hi, pay listeners. It's like I'm always checking myself every day, actually. Who am I giving my power away to? Because, you know, we're human beings like, you know, we have emotions and the, those emotions change and fluctuate uh, every single day. And I'm like, why am I getting frustrated about this? And then I check myself like, wait, hang on. <laughs> am I in my power right now? And it sounds really kind of like woo woo, but really energy never lies, you know, and, and people really pick up on that when they, when they can sort of manipulate your power as well, then you're kind of a slave to the system, I would say. So it's better to retain your power, I would say, uh, and channel your energy through your artwork, you know, or whatever it is that you're doing creatively. I love that. I also want to add to, I think when we ever feel uh, like a victim and we all go, you know, we all get like that because we are human, like you said, yeah. like we feel like, oh, no one wants to work with me or no one's representing me. Like even showing your brain examples of people who are independent, you know, just even off the top of my head, like artist Ashley Longshore or Simon Bull, like they don't have a gallery per se, but they are so successful. They're like just working with celebrities. They're having like these independent shows and clients that they are in charge of. So telling mm -hmm. your brain like, hey, yeah, not everyone has to have the traditional path. You can still be wildly successful without it. And reminding yourself of all the options that are available, just stepping back into like that, you know, being in control of your life, having that agency. Yeah, having agency is a big one. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, again, it goes back to the sort of the agenda of the governments as well. It's like 
just ignore the narrative okay okay yeah, ignore the government I don't even look <laughs> just, at that stuff anymore <laughs> just ignore them <laughs> do it do I your know. thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah just do your thing um be a rebel just do your thing just yeah exactly just be a rebel. um but yeah um so what are you working on right now Ekaterina um, um, so right now we just, my uh, friend and partner, Lisi and I, um, we work together on projects. We just wrote our second book, the creative Amazing. business handbook. So I'm so excited. That's coming out in May. Um, wow. and I'm just painting and serving my clients and doing my thing, seeing what's next. But yeah, that's the big thing is like our book, which is all about wow. like really taking your power back and building your own business, which is awesome. I love having my own business. <laughs> I think like if you're an artist, um, and by the way, this book is not just for artists. We interviewed gallerists, art therapists, coaches, even my accountant, who I consider creative, yeah. just people who are thinking outside the box and building a beautiful life, doing what they love. Uh, and we just include all the, like literally everything you need to get started. So it's going to come Amazing. out. In May. So I'd love to get a copy of that. And I'd love to share that on the Instagram as well when it comes out. We'll yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share that. Copy. Thank you. I would love that. Um, just amazing. And really amazing what you're doing as well by inspiring so many people to not give up, which is a big one because, you know, we can sort of start on the, okay, we see the track or on the racing track and we see it. And then somehow along the way, our vision is blurred and then we can't see the finish line. And it's like, I'm not a runner, but well, I used to be, I used to be a, sh a short distance, uh, like 100, 200, 300 mark. And I was pretty I good with harder, that. sprinting. It's a bow and arrow situation. But, um, but yeah, just so like on the long route, the long running, distance running, um, it can be difficult sometimes, you know, um, temptation comes in the way and all this crazy stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I lived in LA, so the fame monster is very real over there. Like I was just trying to tell you that. Um, but yeah, holding your integrity as well, but also like being focused, right? Making sure that you're staying focused is important. Absolutely. And, you know, it's that, that saying, it's like, don't stop digging three feet away from gold. We all do that. And, you know, as you were sharing your running analogy, I had a similar, we were doing like this 50K trail run and what was the hardest part about that run? Of course, it was physically painful, but the psychology of having blinders on because we accidentally signed up for this elite group and people were literally passing us, like pushing by us. And that aggressive energy when everyone seems to be getting ahead, everyone seems to be going faster and better and more, you know, in, in life, like abundant <laughs> and getting all this fame and recognition. And you're just like struggling, mm. right? You're, but the thing is, is like, even though it seems like they're so much faster in the grand scheme of things of that race, for example, it would only be like an extra like 10, 20 minutes shorter, right? It just seems so much more extreme. And in sports, mm -hmm. that's important. But in life, we can afford to give ourselves a little space. And I think we can like relax and know, yeah, maybe this person seems like they're ahead. But I just have to keep going, right? I'm not going to mm -hmm. get there if I stop now. And that that's where all the discouragement and the lack of confidence comes in when we don't show up for ourselves. Because- yeah, I can talk about this for a long time, but there's always pivots. There's always a different way of trying it. It's it's not about doing things the way someone else does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's we can get into that state of comparison. And sometimes people just excel um at the point that they need to excel in excel in because that's their divine time to excel at that point, you know. Um, it's not necessarily just about the gender gap and the pay gap between genders and where you are in the world. 
you know, the where you are in the world actually does play a huge, a huge role. But um, but yeah, there's so many different factors to it, especially mystically, you know, and astro cartography e <laughs> um, <laughs> as well. Yeah, I try to um, and be... also a natal chart. <laughs> too. Definitely. Yeah. No, you're so right. And that's something I, I do. I am very grateful. I have to check myself once in a while because I forget, like if I still lived in Russia, for example, I would not have these this freedom and these opportunities. So even though, you know, in the US, the government still has craziness and all those things, like I still have a lot more freedom than I would. But mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was a teen, my friend's grandma um, she was sharing with me. She's like, yes, we might have a more oppressed government and this country doesn't have as many opportunities, but she's like, but the people with passion and talent are always going to find a way. And I just always remember always. her saying that. And yes, we have certain privileges and, you know, I, I know I have more privileges than I have before. And I know it depends on cultural backgrounds and our ethnicity and all that. But I think like, mm-hmm. there's a part of us that can always find that light and find our own path. And, you know, it might take a little bit longer, it might look different, but I think, I just, I don't know, I'm a person of faith. I think there's always a way. And I just like refuse to believe that there's not a way no, I agree. for anyone. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that, I think you're, you're spot on with that. Um, so who would be your three inspirational people? Ooh, I have so many. Um, I really, I follow so many different people and I try to kind of stay within my own world. Like I try to focus on myself. I learned that from my, actually, you know, I would say shout out to my coach, Kara Allwell. She's a champ- at champagne diet on Instagram. She always encourages me to just like put blinders on, go within and block out too many influences is going to kind of water down our own unique essence. So I took that advice to heart. But when I was growing up, one of my biggest inspirations was, aside from Britney Spears, (laughs) Regina Spector, just because I could model. She was an immigrant from Russia, you know, and she had, she's just such a creative person. I love Regina. Uh, And I would really watch interviews with her on NPR and just like suck up her weird, cool energy. She's cool. (laughs) Um, She's just a weirdo and I love it so much. (laughs) And she's super sweet too. Uh, And Mm. these days, you know, my coach, um, Really, so many people. Uh, I literally could go on forever with this, but I love listening to Lisa Nichols as a coach that really inspires me. She's just someone who's really resilient. Um, yeah, so many, so so many. <laughs> um, I I think like just we can't get all we need from one coach or one leader, but we can kind of take pieces of what we need at the moment and. Yeah, just learn from each other, even people in my world, you know, even people who are not like public figures just inspire me and keep me going. So I know that was a very weird answer, but I would say Regina Spector, definitely. (laughs) I I agree. I agree. And these people that you're inspired by as well usually have, they are a reflection of who you are, your true essence too. Um, What would be your three tips and tricks to someone who's starting out in the, in the art world or in the arts in general? I would say, I would definitely say having consistent work ethic is really important, not to, not for any purpose other than just becoming really comfortable with your craft and feeling confident when you show up in the studio, because one of the biggest struggles I had wasn't even the sales or the recognition. It's like trusting your work. And Mm -hmm. the way that we get there is just by showing up, getting comfortable with the way that we create what feels good, creating our own flow 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that just takes discipline. You know, even just doing a daily sketch can help with that. So that's definitely a big tip. And then the other thing is just like imperfect action, showing up, being annoying. <laughs> people are always worried about annoying others, but that's how you gain trust. And that's how people get to know you. So showing up, sharing, being excited about what you're doing, that energy is contagious and uh, never underestimate the power of your circle. So if you're surrounded by people who are constantly saying things like, oh, there's no money in the arts or blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. It's so hard. The algorithm sucks. Like you need to find a different circle because that's gonna affect you and you're gonna start believing those things. And you need to hang out with people who are seeing possibility, seeing hope, seeing potential and growing. Uh, So that's, those are my tips, but I have many other ones too. (laughs) Those are massive and they're, fantastic as well um and they're so true as well and lastly to end what would be your word of wisdom or words of wisdom I would say I would say honestly I had kind of a little bit of a crazy fall Mm -hmm. like dust off the discouragement like as quickly as as you can always come back to hope and excitement like feel the feelings process the emotions let yourself be there but don't stay there long just yeah. Keep coming back to your joy, whether it's that's making art or sharing art, talking about art or whatever it is that you do, like the quicker we can get back to that happiness and joy, the easier life gets. Absolutely. Don't stagnate. Just keep pushing through, isn't it? Yes. Um, Ekaterina, where can the high pay listeners find you? Yeah. So you can find me on my Instagram. It's at Katerina S. Popova. And also on at Create Magazine, which is like our bigger account. We share a lot of artists on there. Um, and also my podcast. I share a lot of similar, you know, kind of mindset um, tips and interviews as well on the Create podcast. Um, and our book is coming out as well, which is the um, Creative Business Handbook. <laughs> Thank you so much for having Amazing. me. Amazing. Thank you so much, um, Ekaterina. It's been an absolute pleasure and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you.